Well, good morning. It is great to see you all this Sunday. How are we doing? All right, all right. Very exciting. So today we're in Revelation 12. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn there. And this is our last week in our Trumpets, Seals, and Scrolls sermon series. I know it's a great lamentation for all of us, for us to be at the end of this uh, time in Revelation. Yep. Oh, just me? Okay. All right, so I'm glad that you're with us today. We're in Revelation 12. It's kind of a big meta picture of all of Scripture, and so it's really a cool text, even though there's some interesting uh, ways to put things and some interesting imagery in here. Don't get too terrified. Uh, We're we're so glad that you're with us, and after this, we'll take some time out of Revelation uh, before we come back on Halloween to finish off uh, Revelation this year. So if you have any questions, uh, there's going to be a number at the bottom of your screen. We'd love for you to text it. Let us know what you want to know. If there's something that I say that's not clear, or if you just have questions related to this sermon or not, Pastor Joseph would love to answer those questions for you. (laughs) All right. So last week, uh, Joseph talked us through Revelation 10 and 11, and he joked that he doesn't like questions, uh, which is why I I tossed him under the bus there. Um, But He talked about having confidence in a king who is worthy of our trust. And we're continuing that idea of we we still want to have that confidence in a king who's worth trusting. And there's this this other thing that we saw in this, that we will see, that there is this war that's going on. And for a lot of us, it it can be hard for us to even believe that there's a war going on. Uh, and, And so we doubt that Satan will be defeated because we don't really believe that there is a war going on. We don't we don't think about Satan. And when it comes to spiritual, we're going to talk about Satan a lot today. He's like kind of one of the main people in the text today. This is, this is a normal thing. Christians believe that there is an enemy. Satan is the enemy. He is a fallen angel who led a rebellion. This is uh, one of the mistakes that we can make when it comes to spiritual warfare. Uh, and when it comes to Satan is that we either don't think about him at all, don't think about him enough, or we think about him too much. And so we've got the, the people who say, okay, my tire's flat. It must be the enemy. It's like, what? when's the last time you checked your tire pressure, bro? It's, there, there's, a, there's a balance there, right? Because there are spiritual attacks, and the enemy is at work. Uh, we see it in technology a lot of times. In sermons, everything starts to go crazy. Uh, or other times, right, there, there this, is this issue that there is actually spiritual war happening, Okay? And, and we have to acknowledge that it's real for us to be able to uh, be ready and be prepared for that war. Because there is a real enemy, Satan. And, and he's not like the cute Torchy's taco guy, right? He's not like a chubby, cute little devil who's going to give you delicious tacos. He is a real enemy who comes to steal and kill and destroy. And so we need to be ready for that enemy, And we don't need to take him lightly or make him really cute and give us delicious tacos. We also can doubt that. So let's say we believe that Satan's real. We can doubt that Satan will be defeated when we feel accused. Uh, So there's this really prevalent thing, especially with millennials and especially with high achievers, it's imposter syndrome. So it's where you've achieved a lot and all of a sudden you feel like, oh, you're, you're just a phony. You've just faked it. You've, you've gotten somewhere, but it's not really you. You just got lucky, and you're about to be exposed. 
The enemy loves to accuse us. And right now, he is in heaven before God, constantly accusing us. He doesn't really love you. And we start to believe those things. He entices us with sin. We do the thing we know we shouldn't do. And then he uses it to separate us from our God. So there's a real spiritual war. And when we feel accused, we doubt that Satan will be defeated because we're separated from our power. We're separated from our God. We can fear Satan's power. When we see life and we see how hard it is and we see how crazy it is, uh, this week I did a funeral for a guy who committed suicide. That's dark. There's a lot of darkness in the, in the room. There's a lot of darkness in that situation. And we see, when we see Satan's power, sometimes it feels like that's more visible than God's power in the way that we've seen that because we've got this really short memory. And so we can get terrified of the enemy when we doubt God's power or when we fear Satan's power. And so um, today... We're going to jump in to Revelation 12. If you have a, the Bible that we provided, that's going to be on page 1034. Uh, let's pray. Lord, we love you. And as we talk about the enemy, uh, Lord, there can be a lot of fogginess. And so I pray that you just be here, that you'd help us to see clearly, that you'd help us to understand um, who you are and how powerful you are, that you'd help us to acknowledge that there is a real enemy, but that you'd help us to have heart, You'd help us to have courage that you're greater. You'd help us to have courage and uh, clarity and conviction, Lord, that you are real, that you are here, that you are with us, and that nothing can separate us from your love. We need you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Revelation 12, verse 1. And a great sign appeared in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet and on her head a crown of 12 stars. So this is a, this great sign that comes up. Uh, this is a, a picture of a person who's really important in the story of Revelation. And this person who's really important in the story of Revelation is, uh, it's not a literal woman. It's a, it's a person, Israel, God's beloved, God's bride. So here's this great sign. There's going to be a lot of great signs in the next chap- few chapters here in Revelation. Um, this is the first one. And so who is this woman? This woman is uh, clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and with a cr- uh, on her head a crown of 12 stars. So uh, you guys might remember... Whoa, wrong one. Whoop, sorry. You guys might remember... Uh, J- Joseph had that dream, right, where uh, the sun and the moon and the stars all bowed down to this greater star. So that was jo- Jacob, his dad, Israel, his wife, Rachel, was, those were the sun and the moon. The 11 stars were his brothers, and he was the star that they were all bowing down to. So this woman represents Israel, and she has this issue that she's pregnant, she's crying out in birth pains, and the agony of giving birth. So in, at, this, at this vision that he has, he's going way back to uh, this woman, to Israel. And what, what's going on with Israel? She was pregnant and was crying in birth pains and the agony of giving birth. And another sign appeared in heaven. Behold, a great red dragon with seven heads and ten horns on his head and on his head seven diadems, seven crowns. 
So there's this woman who's pregnant, uh, and she has, she's going through birth pains. So this could be two things. This could be like Israel about to give birth to Jesus way back when. That's a legit, legit view. Partially that this. The other part is that the trouble of the tribulation of Israel is about to bring forth. They're about to believe again for Jesus to return the second time for him to reign for a thousand years. Okay? And so for this to happen, there's these pains of childbirth, all of the crazy uh, plagues and things that we saw last week with Joseph's message. Those things are happening. Those are agonizing like birth pains, like the pain of giving birth. And then there's this other uh, sign that appears in heaven, a great red dragon. So another big sign, it's a great red dragon. Um, A lot of you guys have a missing piece from your nativity set. This great red dragon who's prowling, who's right there at about where Jesus is about to be born, uh, you have this missing great red dragon, okay? So you can add it to your yard next year, uh, and then you can have some great conversations. These, these seven heads, ten horns, seven uh, crowns, those are just uh, showing how pow- the, Satan's power. So Satan is a real enemy. He, ha- he really does have power. It's got this kind of pointing back to past power, and it's pointing... Fu- forward to future power uh, with the ten horns and the seven crowns. Verse 4, his tail swept down a third of the stars of heaven and cast them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman who was about to give birth so that when she bore her child, he might devour it. So Satan, he's, he's a bad guy, right? He, he leads the, uh, the rebellion against God, and he sweeps, his tail sweeps down a third of the stars of heaven. So what this is referring to is the fall of angels, right? So his tail sweeps down. He leads a rebellion of one-third of all the angels rebel against God, and they want to follow Satan into his rebellion. They want the power. They want the glory. They say, give it to me. We'll follow Satan because that's how we're going to get it. And so a third of the uh, angels fall. So then we have fallen angels. Now we're talking about demons. It's getting a little weird here, right? But this this is legit. This is pointing back to when all of the when a third of the angels fell. One of the cool things that we talk about in Count Me In class that we'll talk about next Saturday uh, is how a third of the angels fell. So that means for every fallen angel, there are two non-fallen angels, the good guys, uh, that, are, that are there. So it's, there is a, maybe a bit of a, we see that there's a real enemy, there's a real power struggle, but it's, it's not really like, who's going to win? I'm not sure. We, we've, we've got a, a clear uh, victory that is ours. And so uh, I said that you guys are missing somebody in your uh, nativity set. There should be a dragon who stands before the woman about to give birth so that when she bore the child, he might devour it. He wanted to destroy Jesus before Jesus was born. And so we saw this way back when, when uh, he tried to thwart the plans of salvation by having all of the, the children killed through Herod. And we saw it, uh, in the, we'll see it in the future when he tries to kill off all of Israel so that there's not any Israel remaining to believe in Jesus for uh, Jesus to come back a second time. He's, tr- he's actively trying to thwart Jesus' plans for salvation, God's plans for salvation, because he doesn't have any hope otherwise. He's trying to just make a way to, to survive a bit longer, even though he knows how it's going to end. Verse 
5. She gave birth to a male child, one who is to rule all the nations with a rod of iron, but her child was caught up to God and his throne. This uh, very short verse here is uh, our picture of Jesus, the male child. This is pointing towards Jesus Christ, and he is to rule all the nations. This is fulfilling, his birth fulfilled all this prophecy, that he is to rule all the nations with this rod of iron. Uh, He's going to reign, a millennial reign, a literal thousand years, on earth. This is coming, but her child was caught up to God into his throne. Uh, So what's that talking about? It's talking about Jesus came, he lived the perfect life we can never live, it skips that he died on the cross, he rose from the dead. It just skips right to he ascended into heaven. He was caught up to God in his throne. So here's the gospel, but it just has that little part because it doesn't want to focus on any of the negative stuff with uh, Israel rejecting Jesus and that stuff. Verse 6, And the woman fled into the wilderness, where she has a place prepared by God, in which she is to be nourished for 1,260 days. So she goes to the wilderness, again with the Exodus imagery like we had last week, Uh, This is a place that God has prepared for 1,260 days. This 1,260 days is uh, three and a half years. It's the second half of the tribulation. So it's a time that's going to be really bad uh, for them. But it's this time, uh, it's the second half of the 70th week that Daniel talked about in Daniel 9. And so all of that is just to say this, that Satan has been hostile towards Jesus. I had originally Satan has always been hostile towards Jesus, but Satan's not eternal, so I took that away. Satan has been, for a very, very long time, this is like kind of the meta picture, he's, he's basically always been, but he's not eternal, uh, hostile towards Jesus. And, and we, can think of, we think about these things, like there are just hostilities that exist, right? Um, and maybe if you're a soccer fan, it's um, Real Madrid and Barcelona. <laughs> maybe it's... Uh, UNC and Duke, right? Uh, Thanos and the Avengers. There are some hostilities <laughs> that just exist, right? That's just the way it is. And, and sometimes it can be easy for us to just pick a side and say, those are the good guys, those are the bad guys. Right? And, and a lot of times, a lot of times, the, the evil ones have horns that need to be cut off, right? Right? Okay. I don't know who put that one in there. Okay. Um, So we can often get more passionate about these other rivalries uh, than the the true rivalry that's going on, right? That that we think, like, if somebody voted Democrat, I just don't know how they're saved. Or if somebody voted Republican, I just just don't know. They just must not be hearing from God anymore. And there's this this existing tension that we can get more passionate about these other rivalries that we can see than the ones that we can't. And the, the marriage one was just for fun. But, uh, but, but the reality is that a lot of us have this enmity with, within marriages even uh, that, that is real. And, and, and there is, it's because there's a real spiritual war. And Satan, what he does is he puts the enmity that's in us from him, uh, he directs it to a different target. So all of a sudden, your spouse is Satan or is a demon. He's not, Satan's not chilling. He's not just like the, the cute taco guy, right? He's out to kill and steal and destroy. And he's constantly destroying things in our lives. 
And so um, my hope as we, as we wrap our minds around this is that we would understand that we do have a real enemy and that enemy really is hostile towards Jesus. And if we're in Jesus, that hostility also is directed towards us. Verse 7. Now war arose in heaven, Michael and his angels fighting against the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought back. But he was defeated, and there was no longer any place for him in heaven, or for them, sorry. So Michael, he's like the good angel. There's only two angels named in Scripture, Michael and Gabriel, right? Gabriel's like, hey, I've got good news. Michael's like warrior, defender, fighter guy. And, and so uh, Michael, he leads the army, the angelic army, destroying Satan and his angels, sending them down because they're no longer welcome in heaven. And so uh, he's not, Satan's not only alone, but he's also got his fallen angels working with him. He was defeated. And then there's no longer any place that he's welcome in heaven. And so um, he's, not longer, he's not welcome in heaven anymore because hostility is not welcome in heaven. Hostility towards Jesus is not welcome in heaven. And um, we'll, we'll come back to that. Uh, verse 9, the great dragon was thrown down, and the, that ancient serpent who is called the devil and Satan, the deceiver of the whole world, he was thrown down to the earth, and his angels were thrown down with him. This great dragon, and then it gives all of these descriptors. So just so we're crystal clear on who the enemy is. He's the ancient serpent. He's the devil, the Satan, the accuser, the deceiver of the whole world. So who is the one who gets thrown down? It's kind of, it kind of repeats this. He was thrown down, he was thrown down, he was thrown down. Uh, it's, it's like rubbing salt in the wound a little bit. Hey, guys, just so it's very clear, there is a real enemy. He also is no match for our God. He's no match for our God and the angelic angels led by, the angelic army led by Michael. Verse 10, and I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come for the accuser of our brothers has been thrown down who accuses them day and night before our God. So there is this kingdom, this power, this salvation that has come. We have Jesus. He's our king. He already has the kingdom, but there's this not yet realized part of it, that, that the kingdom hasn't yet been realized because Jesus hasn't yet come to reign. He hasn't yet uh, thrown the dragon to where he belongs to uh, be in the lake of fire forever. And so... Uh, they're saying, hey, the kingdom has come now because the Satan, is, Satan is no longer in heaven, constantly, day and night, accusing believers of not believing. He's not accusing believers of wrong before God anymore. Now he's thrown out of heaven. Um, and so right now what's Satan doing? He's day and night accusing us of not believing, of not really having it together, just like Job, of, uh, you know, James doesn't really love you. He he just loves you because he just loves this thing more. And it's this constant accusing thing. And so it's, it's going to be a great celebration when Satan is no longer in heaven. Amen? Okay. And the reason for the victory that's given here is that the authority of Christ has come. The authority of Christ is what gives victory over the enemy, Satan. 
verse 11. And they have conquered him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. For they love not their lives even unto death. So we have a real enemy, and we, we have a real need to conquer him. How could we conquer him? Well, we know that the angels conquered him by the blood of the Lamb, because Jesus came, he lived the perfect life we could never live. He died the death that we deserve on the cross. He is worthy of wor- he's worthy of our worship. And by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, they were able to defeat Satan and his angelic army. Because they love not their lives even unto death. And so uh, when we're willing to lay down everything for Christ, we're able to uh, have victory over a real enemy. There's this need for us to have, uh, be willing to lay it all down for Christ. This need for us to uh, have confidence in our testimony of what Jesus has done for us, of, of, hey, we do have a real king who really is worthy of our worship and of our confidence. And, um, And that gives us to verse 12. Therefore rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. But woe to you, O earth and sea, for the devil has come down to you in great wrath, because he knows his time is short. There's this rejoicing that happens in heaven that, uh, that we... So remember in this story, we who believe are not on earth when all this crazy is happening, right? We, we have a uh, pre tribulation rapture, right? That, that we are brought up to heaven before all this crazy stuff happens. So what do we get to do when, when Satan gets thrown out of heaven? We get to rejoice. The heavens and us who dwell in them. But there is, there is this sadness, this woe that comes to those who are on the earth and the sea, those who are still here on the earth. Because the devil has come down in his great wrath because he knows his time is short. Satan knows that he's defeated. He knows that he's got a ticking uh, clock before he's thrown into a pit for a thousand years and then before he's ultimately thrown into a lake of fire and sulfur. And so he says, I've got this three and a half years that I'm going to cause as much damage as possible. He's trying to make hell crowded. And so for us who, will be, who believe in Jesus Christ, we'll be in heaven right now what we get to do is we get to work our tails off to make heaven crowded so that there's more rejoicing, so that there's more excitement, so that there's more celebration of this victory over this enemy. And so that's, that's our role here. That's what we get to do as we anticipate our king returning. So what we see here is that hostility is, towards Jesus is not welcome in heaven. It's not welcome then it's not welcome now. And this is why uh, people who don't believe in Jesus won't be in heaven. They're getting what they want because they, are, because they reject the Son of God. They are hostile towards God. So they won't be in heaven. Which sounds awful, Right? but motivates us all the more to go and share this good news, to persuade others that we do have this great hope, that we do have this great king, that there is a real enemy, and he's causing destruction and division and problems all over the place. 
But the real enemy is not in burnt orange or maroon. Right? The real enemy is Satan. And so we're, we're working uh, constantly to show the love of Jesus, to share the love of Jesus so that there can be more rejoicing for us who are in heaven. And so um, I'm continually looking for opportunities to share the, the hope that I have in Jesus, right? I'm continually praying for this. And um, a few weeks ago, I was praying, and, and I was asking God for opportunities. And I, and I was just saying, okay, God, I uh, know that I've got limited time that I'm, like, out of the house with two small children. I know that I've got, like, limited time that I can really be effective. So, like, set me up. Give me some appointments here. Because I, I would love to do your work, and I would love to be as effective as possible, but I, I, help me out. And so I pray this prayer uh, a couple of Fridays ago, and then I go and I play volleyball with our young adults. And at volleyball with our young adults, um, I meet a guy, Swami, and he's, been, he's coming around a couple months, and he's coming and checking things out. And um, one of the things that was interesting is that as we were talking after uh, volleyball, he says... I'm really interested in learning about Christianity and, and maybe like becoming a Christian. Like, I, I want to know more about that. Can you tell me more about that? And so I asked him to stay, and we, we talk a little bit longer. And I said, there's a lot that I can teach you about Christianity and about becoming a Christian. But ultimately, it's, this is the basics. If you admit that you're a sinner, if you believe that Jesus came, lived the perfect life that we could never live, that he died the death that we deserve on the cross, that he rose from the dead, you're a child of God. God welcomes you into his family. I can teach you a lot more. There's a lot more to learn. But this is the hope that I have, that God can turn my life completely around, that he can give me a hope that's secure in a world where every other hope, every other thing you can place your hope in is going to be fleeting. And so if you want to believe that, you, you become a child of God this instant. And so Swami said, yes, I want that. And he prayed to receive Jesus that night. Yeah, we can fight for that. And, and then I was, I was talking to him the next day, and I was like, you know, last time I talked to somebody who had a Hindu background, they, they said, yeah, I believe in Jesus, but I also believe all these other guys still, too. And I was like, okay, well... Is that, is that the case? Is, what, what's going on? And he's like, no, no, I, I've left Hinduism. I follow Jesus. And so it was, it was amazing. A, 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 celebrate, a celebratory eliciting uh, activity, right? That God showed up, that I, I, I'm desperate, God. I, I want to be used by you to build your kingdom. I know on my own, I can't persuade anybody. So I'm desperate to be used by you. I'm praying for opportunities. And then when those show up, I'm taking advantage of them. I'm just being a, I'm just, God, I'm here. Use me. And so as we pray for those opportunities, what I've found is that God time and time again will give us those opportunities. He's already given us incredible uh, relationships or maybe relationships that we need to work on with neighbors, with coworkers, and with people that we don't want to them to be experiencing woes. We want them to be rejoicing with us. And so we have this great opportunity to share the hope that we have with them. Okay. So uh, we saw that Satan 
has been hostile towards Jesus, that hostility towards Jesus is not welcome in heaven. And we're going to see one other thing here, starting in verse 13. And when the dragon saw that he had been thrown down to the earth, he pursued the woman who had given birth to the male child. So remember, Satan, not a cute taco guy. He's trying to destroy. He's pursuing the woman. He's pursuing Israel. So Israel, uh, those who are of the lineage of Israel, that's who is in view here. They weren't raptured. They weren't brought up to heaven. They're still here. They're being pursued by Satan. Then we see some uh, cool supernatural rescue here. Verse 14, but the woman was given two wings of the great eagle so that she might fly from the serpent into wilderness, the place where she is to be nourished for a time and times and time and half a time. So there's this great dragon pursuing Israel, and it's not these literal wings that just show up on all of the nation of Israel's back and bring them to the place. It's this um, protection that God provides, that he brings his people to a, a place of protection, that they would be safe from the enemy's attacks. And then again, it mentions this time and times and half a time. And this is from uh, Daniel originally, but it's, it's referring to the second half of that 70th week, right? This time and times and half time, one plus two plus half a one, three and a half years is what's in view there. Okay, and so the serpent then pours water like a river out of his mouth after the woman to sweep her away with a flood. But the earth came to the help of the woman, and the earth opened its mouth and swallowed the river that the dragon had poured from his mouth. So not, not the cute, chubby taco guy, right? He's one that's trying to destroy the woman with however he can. So he's pouring out this crazy flood, this crazy, crazy river out of his mouth, and then the earth opens up to take the water away so that Israel is then protected from, from this attack. God provides supernaturally to those who he loves, to his, to his people, to protect them from the enemy's attacks. Verse 17, Then the dragon became furious with the woman and went off to make war on the rest of her offspring, on those who keep the commandments of God and hold the testimony of Jesus. And he stood on the sand of the sea. So he is furious because he knows that he lost, and so he's going to make as much war as possible with Israel, with, and not just with Israel, but on the rest of her offspring. So those who, would, those who are believing Israelites, the ones who keep his commandments, who hold to the testimony of Jesus, they, uh, they didn't believe, they have become believers. Um, there's like this weird uh, rocky place that they think that the Israelites might hide in. Uh, I won't go into all that speculation there, but uh, people have hidden a bunch of Bibles in there, and there's all sorts of uh, fun stuff going on with that. But the, the people who believe in Jesus, those who keep the commandments of the testimony of Jesus, uh, that's who Satan is now going after. And so what we see here is that God will rescue Jesus' believers, Jesus' followers, from Satan. He provides rescue for his people. We saw it with Jesus, even as an infant, Jesus was protected. We saw it with Israel, Israel's protected. We see it with Israel's offspring, they're protected as well. God, time and time again, rescues his people. 
And he, he doesn't falter. He doesn't fail. This isn't like a, who's going to win this week? This isn't, this isn't a toss-up. We know the outcome. We know the end. We know that Satan gets thrown into a lake of fire. We know that, uh, that Jesus comes back. He reigns. And then he makes all things new. We know that he wipes away every tear from every eye. We know that he's going to reign and he's going to make all of the wrongs that we've experienced right. And we have a great hope in him and in him alone. And, and so trust Jesus that he does provide, that he will protect you. That if, if you are one who maybe takes Satan and his schemes lightly, believe Satan's legit. But, but he's not a real foe. He's not a real competitor to our God. There's not really a power struggle. It's, it's that uh, Satan is uh, terrible. He does have power, but he's not, um, he's not as powerful as our God, and so we shouldn't fear him winning. We shouldn't fear Satan uh, ultimately coming out victorious, because he won't. He can't. And so our question today is this. Are you trusting Jesus for victory. There are a lot of things that we can put our hope and our trust in. Jesus already has the W. He's already, he's already won. And there's this waiting and this eager anticipation that we have as we await our king's return, as we await him making all things new. But it's his. The victory's his. He's won. Trust that. Believe in that. Be confident in our king that he has obtained the victory. And as we look at this, this great big narrative of all of story, all of scripture, there is, a, there is a real foe, but he's not anything compared to our God. So trust in him. And so um, if you're here and you're not a believer, the, the way that you start trusting Jesus for victory is you believe that Jesus came, that he lived the perfect life that you could never live. And his perfect life, when he went to the cross, he paid for all of your sin so that his perfection gets put onto you and your sin gets put onto him and nailed to the cross so that we don't have to be uh, in fear of the accusation. We don't have to be in fear of the real hostility. That even when we feel like imposters, we know that there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. But if you haven't believed in Jesus... That's the first step for you trusting in Jesus for victory. And so what that looks like is admitting, I've sinned. I've fallen short of your perfect standard, God. But I believe that you sent your son, Jesus, to live the life that I couldn't live, to die the death that I deserve, and to raise, you raised him from the dead so that I could have confidence in this victory. things 
trust him. Trust that he is who he says he is. That God's word is true, is faithful. Even the parts that we try to, that we avoid, or maybe the pages that are, aren't even all separated yet. He's worth trusting. And as we pursue him through knowing his word, he gives us uh, this renewal, his more and more of his spirit that we get to walk in more obedience and we get to walk in more joy as we follow him and love him more and more. And so will you trust in Jesus for the victory? Let's pray. Lord, we love you and we need you. We pray that your grace would transform us every day, Lord, that you would help us to just be conformed to the image of your perfect son from one degree of glory to the next. I pray for those of us who um, are afraid. I pray for those of us who have real sadness, real darkness, or are experiencing real tragedy from a real enemy, Lord, that, that we wouldn't minimize the hurt, that we wouldn't minimize the pain, that we wouldn't minimize the sadness. Lord, but that we would meet them with your love, with your care, with your compassion. That we would be consistent for them and that we would show them your love. And that we would ultimately be able to point them back to the secure hope that we have in you and you alone. We love you, Lord. We need you for that. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. I want you to go. Beloved child of God, behold the manner of love the Father has given to us that we should be called the children of God. As we wrap our minds around how much He loves us, we're His. He's not going to let His kids lose. The same way that you protect your children, the same way that you have that love for your children. He has that for us times infinity, right? He's not going to let anything happen to us. He's going to protect us. And his love is going to sustain us. It's going to nourish us in those seasons where it feels like we're in the wilderness. And so will you be confident in God's victory? Will you go and be a people who are victorious children of God? knowing that it's not a toss-up who's going to win. We have the victory. We're not condemned. We are beloved children. And we have a great hope that we can share with all of those around us. So will you go and will you share that hope with the people that God has placed in your life for that very purpose? Will you go and be his witnesses? Go and have an awesome week of worship. You are sent.